the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, uh, we read the Gospel, uh, chapter, th- chapter 3 of the Gospel of St. Mark. And the Gospel is, is about the house that is, the house divided cannot stand. And we find that in today's Gospel, it displays a bit of force of good and evil. Jesus, he exercises an evil spirit, and the Pharisees accuse him of having power from Beelzebub, and Jesus questions them, how can Satan cast out Satan? And chaos erupts as a result of Christ casting out the demon. How does he have this power to cast out spirits? How does he have authority to do that without consent from the demon or the evil spirit itself? Even when the spirits called him out, you are the son of God, and God demands them not to expose him. There doesn't seem to be any peace um, in the process of something good that is happening. Jesus is exercising a demon, and the result is, is this chaos, this lack of peace. And so today I want to reflect on peace. And we even find in the other readings today the complete absence of peace. In the Acts reading, we read about um, the prophet uh, Agabus who came to St. Paul and he like dramatically took, had the belt of Paul and, and bound himself. And he said that the Holy Spirit says that the, the owner of this belt will be delivered to death you know, in Jerusalem. And they implored to St. Paul, don't even think about going. And of course, St. Paul is like saying, how could you, why, why would you pressure me to do that? Like, I'm ready not only to be bound, but to also die. In St. Paul's epistle, he speaks about the chaos of doctrine caused by contrary teachings. Uh, in St. Peter's epistles, he's expressing the lack of peace happening in families, among husbands and wives. Husbands are focused on power and strength and physical work when what is really pleasing to the wife and to God is, is the husband to care for his wife and his kids and to honor and understand them and to be understanding. And that wives are focused maybe on beauty or in their in integrity when God and their husbands really care more about a wife who desires for her husband to lead their family and also to have a gentle spirit. There's nothing but chaos and the lack of peace in all of the readings today. And it's, it's a difficult topic because we say that God is the God of peace, and He is the God of peace. St. Paul constantly speaks about this, that may the peace of God the Father be with you all. And then Jesus Himself says something very different. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, that's always, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He says in today's gospel, reiterating this point, at the end he says, For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. So it's to say that the, that the familial bond, which is the closest, and 
parents may, pull, may put all of themselves into their children and children into their parents, but the greater bond that saves our souls is not with our loved ones in the world, but it is with God. Jesus also says in, in Luke chapter 12, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. And the church father spoke about baptism sort of being this like incision that is made by the Holy Spirit that surgically separates the person from the effects of their parents, to live according to the will of God, and not concluding that I must assume the sins and the ways of the human parent, that I have freedom from that. These verses don't sound like peace, and in my life I, I lose peace. And maybe some of you have lost peace. If we see peace as tranquility of the senses, then we have lost, we lose peace many times. There is this fire that is manifested through the loss of something, the loss of someone important to us. Fire that is manifested through ugly relationships and difficult marriages and family dynamics. Fire that is manifested through illness, through shame, through criticism. Why do we lose peace? We lose peace because of fear that comes out of the anxiety of anxiety towards an unchangeable past or an unforeseeable future. We lose peace out of fear that comes from anxiety towards an unchangeable past or an unforeseeable future. When we experience difficult relationships and family dynamics, Lord, will there ever be a good day? Will, will this ever be finished? If I lose someone and they cannot come back, now what, God? The pain of the unchangeable past and the unforeseeable future, there is no peace. Our relationship with God and our peace with God becomes conditional. I'll have peace, Lord, when you give me what I desire. And the thing is, is that many times we do desire good things. Which of us doesn't desire to have happy relationships? Which of us doesn't desire to have children and, and good children? Which of us doesn't desire to have a stable livelihood, to have spiritual gifts? All of these are good things. So I'm asking you for good things, Lord. Yes, but I have conditions. And he wants us to separate ourselves from the conditions. In Hebrews chapter 1, we read, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Our desires might be good, but God knows about our thoughts, our intents, He knows about our future, He knows about 
the things that we ourselves don't even know about. And God is saying, there is division between your soul and your spirit. Your soul desires one thing and your spirit another, and I will provoke a battle so that the spirit of God saves you. We may see it as defeat or loss, and we can let the human weakness see it that way. But Jesus is saying, but I will come out on top in this battle. As Jesus was lifted on the cross, the victory of Satan must have felt, Satan must have looked to Christ on the cross and said, I, I am the victor. But little did he know that in the same time, in the same moment, not, not right after, in the same moment that Jesus was already conquering death. Satan, he, set, he sets chains around humanity so that we can rely on the earthly things, the worldly, the worldly process, the worldly way. He sets chains around us to cling us to sin, whether it's through our, act, through our actions, our thinking, our stubbornness, our need for answers. We are bound to those things. And Jesus defeated Satan by his righteousness. He bound Satan with his own chains. And how did he bind him with his own chains? Humanity fell victim to the chains of sin and it killed us. It caused us to, to have a corrupt nature. And St. Augustine, he talks about how the effects of sin or the effects of these chains are also what killed Jesus Christ. And it is what led him to the cross. But Jesus didn't die. So he was not bound. And so Satan is bound by his own chains because Jesus Christ could not be bound by those chains. And that's what Jesus meant by in, the, in today's gospel reading. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. So Satan is the strong man and his goods are the souls that are bound by the chains that Satan puts on them. So Jesus came and he bound the strong man, and thus he plundered his goods. That means he came for us. When someone comes to plunder a house, it's not usually a peaceful scene. It's usually guns blazing, it's, it's, it's everything gets, gets ripped apart. Peace is to accept God's will without understanding why. But understanding that whatever destructive elements that there are in my life, they are bound, they are being bound and my spirit is being plundered by God. Yes, I have no peace of the senses, but I have peace of the heart. I have no tranquility of the senses, but I have confidence in God. In Philippians 4, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He didn't say, uh, will quiet my heart, but he says, I will guard. The peace of God will guard your heart. And so he says, I will protect and guard your heart with the sword. Allowing God to guard me with his sword means I have to believe God not to believe in God, but to believe God. I have to believe that everything around me is in His hand. 
everything. There is no coincidence. If God is keeping track of my hair count, which for me is doing often, constantly falling, but then surely, surely He is keeping track of every step I take, every thought I have, and every turn that I make. When things start to fall apart in our lives, we feel like a disappointment. We feel small. We feel like at times we have no spiritual life. And maybe those are the moments in which our passions are saying, Ha, I got you. I am the victor. But as we're happening with Jesus on the cross, we are really in the process with God to conquer the evil that is in me because I believe God. So the peace of God is trusting God. The peace of God is believing God. When things seem chaotic, sometimes we ask God why. Why, God, are you allowing this? And a better question is, God, how do you want me to respond to this? What is there an evil that I need to be healed from? God, show me what to do now. Otherwise, isn't it exhausting? Isn't it exhausting? I find myself asking him, why, why, why? Until I realize that asking why is an indication that I don't believe him. What questions do parents tend to get the most annoyed from, from their children? Why, why, why? Brush your teeth, why? Eat your food, why? And you think if I tell a four-year-old why he should brush his teeth, that all of a sudden it's going to make sense to them? Do we not respond to the whys by saying, after the seven whys, we say, look, do you not think that I know what's good for you? I'm saying you should brush your teeth because it's good for you. Yes, we do our part in what we're capable of doing, but, we but maybe we can desire less, expect less, because God already knows what we want. We teach our kids, stop expecting everything to be your way. Stop asking for the same thing. Why? Because you are, we already know what it is that you want. And we're trying to teach them that it's better for them to expect what is good for them more than what they have laid out in their minds. And God spoils us. Do we not spoil our kids sometimes? You know? I told you there's no ice cream. And then maybe five hours later, okay, I'll give you ice cream. Why? Because I fall weak to your happiness. I fall weak to your smile. And God does that with us many, many times. And then there's things that where there is no compromise. If my son says, okay, I want ice cream, okay, fine. Every once in a while, maybe I'll break the rule. But I want to go run in the street. There's no compromise. You're not going to go in the street. Smile, no smile, there's no going in the street. Peace is not tranquility of the senses. Peace is God's sword guarding our hearts. And there is joy in that. I can lose people. I can lose things and have the peace of God. It means that I'm content with the chaos. I'm content with the chaos because I'm confident that it is for my salvation. 
I've, I can deal with the chaos because I still have peace that this is that what I'm pursuing is God's calling. It is the fulfillment of God's will. We pray that the peace of God to protect us may He grant us joy and contentment in the midst of early turmoil for the glory of His name. Both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen.